Everybody, welcome to another episode of Just the Headers, where we give you just the headline news that happened in crypto. Not all of it, but a portion of it that we deem is important enough to tell you guys. <laughs> it's at least that subjective. Like, it's all headline news, but we chose which stories we wanted to tell. So... Anyways, today we have the usual myself and Jesse. Yep. And we have <laughs> another guest host. Uh, you all know this man. Uh, he's very familiar with the network. He is co-founder of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Um, he, he's a Tron holder. He's a Tron holder to the day life. he dies. Uh, him and Jesse alike. Um, he is a Eastern entertainment <laughs> expert. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. Um, first article: Price yeah. is brushing seven thousand. <laughs> Cello's back. Cello loved recording just the headers last time so much. He said he wanted to do it again. Yeah, so. thank you to Jesse for allowing me to fill in his shoes. And uh, I'm here in the back seat. You guys take the wheel. All right. So let's start it off. The first, oh, by the way, I want to let everyone know I'm giving them behind the scenes. Jesse chose all of these articles this week. <laughs> so this is 100%. I say it the last time. Huh? This week was. This week, I, I didn't put as much emphasis in the quality articles as I did two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that a disclaimer right at the top? Yeah, it is. I, I have to be honest with our audience. There are some good articles. <laughs> there are some articles that are not so good. I love how you're like, this was a hell of a week at work. So I really didn't give a shit what happened in crypto. I just clicked. I just copied and Did you know, the baby. By, by the way, by the way, the spreadsheet actually didn't populate a lot of news articles for today and yesterday. Yes. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that. There was an issue with that. That has been resolved. So oh, okay. I, I messed up the, the automation shit. I wasn't paying attention to my emails and they were like, hey, this one was broken for a second. You need to go fix it. And I was like, what? And so when I went and I checked... Like last night, I had to go back and... Anyways, this is behind-the-scenes stuff. <laughs> Let's get into these articles. Um, first article by our favorite, C. Edward Kelso. Almost 10,000 views, 52 comments, uh, Bitcoin.com. Uh, let's see what it says. Bitcoin's chance at the $20 trillion offshore tax haven market. 
Ooh. There's a whole market for getting over on the tax man. So let's uh let's read a little bit. In polite pockets of society, acceptable and positive crypto talk revolves around its amazing tech and what the future might hold. At least one Bitcoiner has tossed aside such niceties and examines the world's most popular cryptocurrency as a potential offshore tax avoidance haven. So this kind of like it's almost full circle, right, guys? Because like when crypto first started, when Bitcoin first started, it was like, oh, I'm clearly going to use this to trade drugs because it's anonymous enough, but it's really pseudonymous. And we've kind of gone away from that. And now I feel like we've gone right back to, oh, well, let's just use it. Let's just use it for illicit things. Wait, how do offshore tax havens work? That's a great question, Cello. <laughs> and I don't think that's a question any of the three of us have enough expertise to answer. When we have enough money, we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> when we have that much money, we'll know how to shelter it from taxes. But okay. I guess we should take a stab at it. Okay. So here, here, in, I guess further down in the article, it goes on to explain what exactly um, offshore tax havens are. And it says... Um, tax havens, offshore tax havens have the following four attributes. One, no or low effective tax rates. Two, no need to generate substantial economic activity in the location to gain tax benefits. Three, lack of mandated transparency with regards to customer details and other lenient laws that govern financial dealings. And lastly, four, a lack of exchange of information. Mm. So basically, you want... You want a, a place that just doesn't give a fuck that you can just stick money into, and nobody yeah. asks questions. Yeah. Okay. So let's start to list some tax havens. Malta, Gibraltar, Bermuda, uh, the uh, yeah. the British, British Isles. Islands, the British Islands. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically, like, once you make so much money. You could just stick it somewhere and nobody ask any questions because if you don't, the tax man's going to come for it, right? And I guess it becomes, it becomes a, uh, a question of morality, right? Do you hide your money somewhere so it's not taxed and nobody knows where it is? Or do you pay the tax man and contribute to what is the, um, let's put quotations around this, the greater good of your country? <laughs> well, let's what look at it this way. Do? Like uh, I would, I would see tax havens as, uh, again, from the perspective of a person who doesn't have enough money to use one. But wouldn't your money be better in invested in, like I guess, early startup companies versus just stored offshore? Like it's not really doing anything, right? Well, I think what you're talking about is money laundering. If you do that. Is it well? I guess say say I made like an excess of like ten million, right? And then rather than um, keeping it in my business, I wanted to, um, I, I guess to get it to the to the offshore um, tax account, I would have to launder it, right? Because if you move that money, that te- say for example ten ten million dollars, you couldn't do it without it being subjugated to U.S. tax laws for moving money outside of the U.S. Um, so I guess you would initially launder it, but then 
it would just be sitting there in, a, in an account, right? It wouldn't be growing. It would just lose value because of inflation um, of the U.S. dollar over time anyway, right? Yeah, yeah I, but I think that – go ahead, Jello. I just – I don't know how you separate money laundering from tax avoidance. If you if you put the – I know money laundering means the the most popular definition means that the, the income is acquired illegally and then you then you put it through a process that makes it legit. But what Jesse's talking about, if you put it into a small business, that's also considered money laundering. And I don't know – he's right. If the if the dollar inflates or go down in value, you're, you're losing money. But I don't think you can just put it into businesses and invest. I think it, that's illegal. So I think that's why tax havens were oh. invented. You can put it into businesses. Yeah. As long as so, the businesses are legit and you pay your taxes on the earn, earnings, right? So if you invest in a – this is probably a conversation we shouldn't be having in public, but fuck it. If you invest in a, <laughs> you invest in a business and you invest a million and then the business pays back your ROI, let's say uh, you get 150%, right? So what you now have what, 1.5 million? You got to pay yep. taxes on the 500000 Anything that bends the rules of the tax system to gain a tax advantage that Parliament never intended is considered not ethical. Parliament? What the fuck are you talking about? This is America. <laughs> this is America. The, the British <laughs> Congress. <laughs> the British equivalent of the IRS is the same rules for them as it applies to us. Oh. So they, they are the ones that came up with the rules. So unless it's like a charitable donation, everything else, like there needs to be a huge paper trail. Like you so can't I, got a, even put- I got a question. If you had a company that was started, like founded in uh-huh. in like Gibraltar or mm-hmm. Bermuda, and you're not sub uh, you're not subject to U.S. tax laws, if you take profits from that company and you invest it into, say, a U.S. Uh, a bio um, like a like a biopharma company that's like a startup. Mm. Would it would that be more beneficial than just keeping your money in a tax in 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 a in an account? That I don't think we're rich enough to be like. Maybe if we're preparing ourselves to be wealthy, but once you're wealthy like that, those decisions aren't even made by you. They're made by other people that like recommend you do those things that have the expertise to handle those. Decision. For instance, like when people are like, Jeff Bezos is the richest man on the planet. He's worth so many billions of dollars. It's like, no, he's not. He can't liquidate that overnight. He can't sell off all those shares of all the stuff that he owns. He can't go through all of the legal precedents to get those hundreds of billions of dollars overnight and have that hundreds of billions of dollars. I don't think you have to be rich, man. Tax avoidance is something everyone does. If you donated $100 to a charity and thought, oh, it's okay, it's tax deductible anyways, it's the same principle. That's not avoiding tax. Sure it is. Avoiding tax is claim When you claim the $100 on your taxes, that is you avoiding taxation on it. You even took the steps to organize your affairs differently because of tax consequences. It's the same thing. I would say that's an argument about semantics, my friend. Because I'm not avoiding taxes because I donated a bunch of stuff to the Boys and Girls Club. I just know that I can now reduce that from my taxable. Uh, uh, you're, you're putting the horse before the cart. If you've organized your affairs in such a manner so that they attract a lower tax burden, then they would have it if you just conducted yourself normally. If you talk to a corporate lawyer, 
he would say what you're doing is tax avoidance. You I guarantee you. You put horses before carts, man. That's how they go forward. <laughs> uh, you're, you're right on that. You're putting the cart <laughs> after the horse. I'm just fucking with you. I know. Uh, I know you just mixed it up. But what I'm saying is like. Come on, man. That's like that's like small potatoes, baby. Those are I, new I potatoes. Thought, I thought you're allowed to um, Claire. I, I thought you're allowed to like donate like a small amount, like say you know, like you said specifically a hundred dollars, and be able yeah. to claim it on your on your taxes. Uh, but as long as it doesn't exceed like a certain amount, I thought it's like like a few thousand. I think that's that's like too much. You actually have to declare that. But there's like a small amount that you can declare before you actually have to show evidence that like yeah. you know, of a receipt or something that to document. That you actually did donate that amount. Yes. I think That's, there's like if a, you there's get a audited. If you get audited, yeah. you have to have the receipt. And I think these right. rules exist for a reason, Cello, because maybe someday back in the day it was like somebody back in the day was like, man, if I make eighty thousand and if I donate forty thousand to a bunch of shell ass companies that I own, then I now get to keep one hundred percent of my eighty thousand as long as I prove that I donated to these companies that really don't do shit. They say they're going to give free pizzas to the homeless, but they really do is hold on to that money and give it back to me. Right? So then they made laws. They're like, okay, you can only donate so much. Only so much of your income is deductible. Right? Yeah, you can't donate over a percentage, yeah. I thought. Because if that's the case, then I would do it. I would just say like, yo, I make so much a year, I'm going to fucking donate to a bunch of companies that I actually made <laughs> and then just keep all my money. And then, see, that's how these rules exist. But anyways, we did define tax haven for the people. And here's an important bold thing in this article. says, Bitcoin isn't just for the rich. Tax havens are typically thought to be financial playgrounds of the uber-rich. Did we just read this out? We didn't just read this. Oh. Anyways, here's a quote. The fact that ordinary citizens are not effectively barred from entry into Bitcoin like an offshore banking makes it likely the potential market may be larger than current estimates. So, than current estimates. Um, I don't know. Here's where I stand morally, and then we'll move on. I think that you should be willing to pay taxes to help out with your government. Because governments need help. And a government is literally an emergent property of a bunch of humans coming together and living civilized. So, I don't know. If you got to pay taxes, pay taxes. That's just my stance. But maybe I'm immature. Next article. You like that segue, Cello? Love it. All right. Wow, that's cool art. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Meet Crypto Cribs, a rental service that aims to decentralize Airbnb. I love it. Buzzword bingo, baby. We're going to decentralize mailboxes. <laughs> okay, real quick. Cello, if you could decentralize one thing, what would it be? Um, probably something boring like uh, the mortgage industry because I've never signed my name more times than I did when I bought a house. And the process sucks. So if everything was on a ledger, that'd be a lot easier. Okay. Your turn. Your turn. I didn't think you were going to go with something legitimate. I thought you were going to make a joke. Me either. Yeah. I th me either. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to go adulting with it. All right. Your turn, Jesse. 
Well, that's that's kind of a precedent. Like, do I need to be serious now, or can I make a joke? It's up to you, bro. This is America, land of the right. free, home of the brave. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be serious. I'm, I want to decentralize politics. Okay. Want to specifically? I want to decentralize the voting system. And and. In addition to that, I also want to decentralize funding for politicians. So they kind of go hand in hand. Um, I just want more transparency for government officials, how they got there. Um, also, who's voting for them. I would like to... I don't know if it needs to be decentralized, but perhaps we should decentralize the manufacturers of... Um, dryers like clothes dryers in order to help provide us with maybe more solutions as to where the fuck socks go when you put them into dryers and maybe one of those manufacturers would make a dryer to where the socks don't fucking vaporize and i feel like if there were more you know if there were more people manufacturing dryers and they were spread across good distribution of the world, then we'd have a much better opportunity at not losing our socks in the dryers. I've heard of that problem, but I just I don't think it's real. Oh, so you you have one hundred percent of the socks that you purchased over the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think you're kidding yourself. We have some sort of system. What do you number the socks? You have a you have a dirty hamper, and you have your clean clothes in your closet. Cello, you listen to this bullshit. <laughs> Underpants gnomes. That's what steals your stuff. Underpants I heard gnomes. Anyway, fucking crypto cribs. Airbnb is one of the most popular <laughs> online property rental businesses in the world. But unfortunately, they don't accept cryptocurrencies. This is written by Jamie Redman. Um, his best friend is probably Jesse Method Man. Um, but unfortunately, they don't accept <laughs> cryptocurrencies. And now there's a new startup called CryptoCribs that provides a peer-to-peer short-term rental system that utilizes digital assets like Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum for payments. So what's the advantage of crypto cribs over like Airbnb? I wonder. I got a quote. I got a quote. This platform will be commission based and offer a trusted sorting algorithm. Participating nodes, i.e. guests and hosts, are incentivized to join and contribute to the network through activity and review based commission rewards. What's decentralized uh, about this? What? I have a concern. What's your concern? What happens if a guest trashes my home? Because with Airbnb, yeah, exactly. you're guaranteed some security as they reimburse you for damages. But with something like Crypto Cribs, I don't feel like I don't feel like that'd be something. Reputation, that baby, and we don't know how Crypto Cribs is designed. Maybe we should get them on one of the other shows and say, like, "Hey, do you keep like some Bitcoin aside for insurance purposes? If somebody comes into my crib and smiggity smashes that shit." What do you pay me back for it? 
I don't know. This is a good question. Peter Peterson. Maybe the landlord could have control over locked funds and if the renters have a rating system for fairness over the locked funds. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, I don't know. Let's read a little bit more. A variety of properties around the world with owners renting for crypto. Ah, here, here, here. Get to this part. At first, Crypto Cribs will act as a centralized platform as Airbnb operates. And in the future, the startup plans to break up the different intermediation layers in the step-by-step rental process. So so they're going to be Airbnb for a bit before they figure out how to use blockchain to decentralize it. How how does a decentralized home sharing market function without a third party intermediary? I don't. Well, they need to talk to people that are doing insurance on the blockchain because if you can code into the contract a certain percentage that's accounts for insurance, then this totally separate wallet could just have money pouring into it from all the transactions that are occurring, and that is the insurance. And if anything goes wrong, and you can prove that it went wrong then that wallet, which is housing all of this crypto that's automatically sent to it from the purchases of people using it, that's the insurance money. That's the big pile of money of insurance money that you give to people. Now, the next step is insurance fraud, and that's a whole nother deal. That's a whole nother... Look, all Airbnb has to do is start accepting crypto. Boom, they're dead. Cello, watch out now. Don't kill people's dreams. In the comments, the... uh... (laughs) It was saying, uh, the guy who made it said, our vision really goes well beyond payments in crypto. It's really more about the trust and identity protocol layer that should enable pure peer-to-peer transactions. So it's just, it comes down to you still need to develop a trust and identity layer, which, I mean, there's there's a lot of options. So it, it literally is Airbnb yeah. with without... It's I'm going to go on a rant and here for a second. Do you guys, have you, when's the last time you guys made a peer-to-peer transaction? Who's Every month. House? That's weird. What is that? Every month, I was. Okay. So like when you pay your rent, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that counts. So let's outline peer-to-peer transactions. There's paying your rent. That's one of them. Which is really a great example, right? Because I don't want to give my landlord or my apartment owner or whoever it is, I don't want to give them anything but cash. So they'll shut the fuck up. And then there's <laughs> and there's the second peer-to-peer transaction, which is garage sales. Okay, that's one. Here's another one, which is uh, Craigslist, which is weird and creepy, right? You show up with... $20 less than you said you pay for the thing and then you try to haggle your haggle your way down to the amount of cash that you brought in your wallet and when they say no you find a different product on Craigslist and make yourself fall in love with that one there's another peer-to-peer transaction um, friends right Jesse if you and I go out to dinner and you're like and you're like hey man I'll get this one just give me the next one and the next one I do get you then there's not even really a transaction between you and me at this point I mean, that's not like a technological peer-to-peer payment system, though. That's organic. So here's the thing: is like this even questions like the Bitcoin white paper is like, are we moving to a point where like peer-to-peer transactions are just like in the world that we've created here in the U.S. 
do they even make sense? Or do they make sense in other places? Well, there is a lot well, of cash transaction. We have we have a government to run and a military to fund. When we, if we if we go out to the bar and you ask me, uh, hey, can you spot me for a beer? And I go, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I buy you a beer, and later on, you you know, transfer whatever in Bitcoin or whatever in fiat to me. You know, um, later on, the issue is that the government doesn't get their cut, right? So if if all if everything that we needed to pay for to exist as human beings in in our society today, you know, lodging, food, transportation, if all of that was peer-to-peer, strictly peer-to-peer, without the government being able to be some sort of intermediary to take their tax cut, uh, the government wouldn't like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, peer-to-peer systems have always been fighting in quote-unquote the man or some man, whether that's the government, whether that's some um organizational body like you know peer-to-peer transfer of movies or something right everybody was going against um the hollywood industry who's they're trying to put protect protections on you know the ability to share their content but you know peer-to-peer kind of destroyed that Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just you're 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 destroying the middlemen in every transaction by having a peer-to-peer payment method for everything that's really what blockchain would do. It would destroy every intermediary. The only reason I ask those really lofty questions is because when you do something, when you're in the industry for as long as we've been and focused on something for as long as we've been, you kind of start to point out the arch keys or arc key arcs. What's the word I'm looking for here, Jesse? The piece of stone that keeps the arc, the arch together? Keystone. Keystone. There we go. You kind of try and point out the keystones. And one of those things is peer-to-peer. And then when you, if you go outside of circles that never have had to use that vernacular, peer-to-peer, they don't give a shit. Like when I talk to my brother and my family and everyone, they're like, peer-to-peer, what is, what is peer-to-peer? And it's like, oh, it's like when you give something directly to another person and nobody's in the middle. And they're like, oh, well, don't I do that? And I'm like, no, you definitely don't. But anyways... That was a very long tangent that started with a decentralized Airbnb <laughs> crypto cribs. Hey, crypto cribs, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Airbnb, you might as well call yourself Block BNB. Just saying. All right, and then <laughs> next article, and then it's you guys' turn to read. It's loading the internet. There we go. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. This article is by Kai Sedgwick. Very awesome first name. Very bland second name. Uh, 3,600 views, 53 comments. Meet Best Mixer, the Bitcoin Tumblr trying to outwit chain analysis. Oh, this is getting dirty. Okay. So, first of all, you guys know what tumblers are. Yeah. All right. Okay, can I get a vocal yes from you, Cello? You're sitting in the emergency lane. I need a vocal yes. <laughs> well, even if I do, you still have to explain it to the audience. That's true. Um, Tumblr takes your Bitcoin address, mixes that shit up, like sends the money to different addresses, and then ends up sending it back to the address you wanted in. Did I kind of hit all the big points there, Jesse? 
Yeah. Yeah, so just kind of like if yeah, somebody right. knows where your address, it just kind of um, obfuscates where where the money came from or where the money is going. You can use Pretty it for much. any different type of purpose. Pretty much. It's for people that are like really get their socks off by privacy, right? They don't, I don't want you to know if I went to the gas station to pump some gas. I don't want you to know if I went to Walmart to get a bag of avocados. Super private. Uh, so Bitcoin Tumbling Service Best Mixer has added a slew of new features designed to enhance anonymity. A triple-tier service provides triple-tier. Who the fuck is designing... Who the fuck is making tiers for Tumblr services? Mm-hmm. Anyways. A triple-tier service provides varying levels of privacy, all geared around outsmarting the blockchain forensics tools deployed by companies such as Chain Analysis. So, beating chain analysis at their own game. Here's a quote. Not so long ago, a New York blockchain startup, Chain Analysis, announced the launch of a real-time transaction analysis tool, a new tool called Chain Analysis. Know Your Transaction allows real-time transaction analysis. In particular, the new functionality allows cryptocurrency companies to find out instantly how reliable their counterparty is and whether it operates with funds that were previously used in illegal financial transactions. In connection with this news, we decided to divide our reserves into three pools, each of which will fulfill its goals. So um, they're, they're tumbling on top of tumbling. But, I don't know. What do you guys think? You what do you think, Hello. Um, I actually didn't hear, so... How do you not hear? You're wearing headphones. <laughs> and I, was pre- I was preoccupied. Jesse, go ahead and take this one. Okay, so... Stop. <laughs> I'm in the back seat, man. You're not in the back seat. You're in the front seat because this is a 1960s Buick and it's a big-ass front seat and you're sitting right in the middle with everybody. <laughs> All right. I, was look- I was looking out the window. My bad. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Jesse? So I don't know if you saw recently, but um, Vitalik, I think today or yesterday, was tweeting out that um, I guess as far as privacy, privacy is absolutely necessary. And a few years ago, he didn't think that. And that kind of is how, I guess, how the mindset he had when, when he was working on Ethereum um, but a few years later, and um, a few a few hundred books later, and different experiences later, he realizes that privacy is actually absolutely necessary um, for you know for all the major chains. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think that it's a weird argument nowadays, though, because people have been. People have been graciously giving up their privacy for years now, almost a decade now. Only because they didn't know that, right? Like, look at Facebook, right? People, people, when when Cambridge Analytica um, came out, and the fact that they were having issues with um, controlling who, uh, the dissemination of the information that they pulled from a university who actually had 
access to the um, to the Facebook uh, information originally. Like people didn't know about that data leak, right? Mm-hmm. But now you know nowadays you you see that being a bigger and bigger deal. And who's the one that's pushing it? Well, it's the media that's pushing it more so than people. Like people wouldn't even know. They're not they're not savvy enough to realize that their information is actually very valuable. Um, in my opinion, I just I don't think that's what average Joe is thinking when he uses Facebook chat and is, you know, telling his friends, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or buying shit on Amazon or listening to music on Spotify or whatever, watching videos on YouTube. People don't realize how valuable their information is until mainstream media kind of puts an idea into their head because they don't actually they're not exposed to it otherwise. Why don't we take a micro poll here? Do you care, Jesse, about like your private your transaction privacy? Like for instance, a just I'm gonna keep this really binary. Do you or do you not want someone overseeing all the transactions you make financially? Absolutely not, if if that were possible. I'd like I'd like so that, that's that's actually hypocritical of me to want transparency of government officials, but as a private individual, I'd like to make transparent what I'd want to make transparent as far as my transactions. But the way that the banking system um, works, I mean, all the transactions are completely visible. So I think that – do you think – I guess, do you think if if governments if governments didn't – make taxation so transparent um do you think individuals at every um level of society you know low income middle income um high income earners do you think that they donate i guess enough in order to keep everything infrastructure as far as roads schools just everything healthcare do you think they would donate they would be charitable enough to donate enough i would say no and so that's that's why i guess we have to give up some of that privacy because we it's the reason why we have to give up privacy is because inherently we don't do things that are good for everybody we do things that are good for ourselves mm-hmm um, sometimes we do things that are good for ourselves to do good for other people, but we need everybody to consistently give enough, I guess, towards some some unifying goal that helps all of us. And that happens to just be government in this case and the way that our society is structured. Mm. Damn. So what you're saying is that we have to forego some of our privacy in order to benefit from the advantages of having a society that we want that is is uh that's livable engineered and designed for us to be livable under. Yeah, I think to move I think to move society forward, you have to have some sort of governing body and yeah, you have to give some okay. of your yeah, some of your privacy right. away. Now I'm throwing the cello, John. Question at you, Cello. Do you think that there should be someone overseeing all of your financial transactions? 
Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I just, I want to be able, if someone's going to use my data, I want to be able to monetize it and make money off of it. I don't, I don't really care too much about my privacy. So you want a long list, a checklist of like, this company's going to use your data. All companies A through Z are going to use your data. Do you want to say yes or no? And then in the next column, you want how much they're going to be paying out each time they use your data. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I just don't like that they're making money off my data. If I can monetize my own data, they can have as much of it as they want. Nice. Because uh, Facebook's been under the microscope for a year. People don't care. They still log on. They don't care. Sometimes I wonder, because you know these like wearables have, like what, six axes of motion now? So if you have six axes with X, Y, and Z, then you have, what is that? 18 different axes of motion mm-hmm. that you can detect what people are doing. I think Fitbit knows when people are masturbating. <laughs> no, 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 hold on. Fact. To go back to a serious note, what if <laughs> the government, what if the government didn't take your money, Cello, but they took your information? I, and that, that was enough to offset your taxes that you owe. I'd be down for that. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Why? Why don't they? I wouldn't be because money makes things go. Haven't you seen that show? What's his name? The the fucking that's not the name of the show. The name of the show is the guy who's got the blonde hair. It's not the name of the show either. He's got blonde hair and he like um, breaks things and and provides facts as to why things are broken. Um, yeah, shit. You know. He wears glasses. He's got a hipster hairdo, or as I call it, new Nazi. And uh, oh, fuck, I don't know what his name. Is but he explained that like you can donate clothes, you can donate food, you can donate all those things, but the only thing that actually makes change is donating money to a person or a behavior because that gives them the freedom to provide as much change as they need. So if somebody's like, Oh, please donate food to whatever, and whatever, I'm like, Fuck that food shit. Where do I send my five dollars and my ten dollars? Because that, that allows you, them to you, buy more food. Let me ask you this given. question. If you're Facebook, your whole business is based on information. Your output is money. Right. It's the ability for you to be able to say, hey, Charmin, do you want to target all the people who love your triple ply toilet paper? Well, these are the people who would be interested according to our, you know, our information. Right. Government, all they want is money. Right. Facebook, all they want is your information, but they output money. All you have to give is you can give money and information. So why isn't there some sort of compromise where um, Facebook, yeah, sure, you can take some of our information, take that money that you're profiting, give a percentage of that to the government to offset the tax burden that every individual has, and then also here, you know, have some our, of, of my information as a, as a private individual government. So now you have your information that you need and you have some money, and that doesn't get pulled from my wallet. And I would restructure like, like you're not going to get rich from your primary source of income. You get rich from assets, like long-term invested assets that have some sort of return. That you know, if you have a business, small businesses struggle as well. Small businesses are generally not the way you become rich either. So I mean, I guess. Because you don't really want to, I guess. How do you fix? How do you fix the the 
um, the uneven wealth distribution because that's why people are really suffering because it just kind of spirals. Like capitalism is. You don't. Um, you don't fix the uneven wealth distribution. But what I will say is that why that is why crypto is awesome is because we started this conversation with tumblers because <laughs> the article <laughs> and we've got into deep like political or sorry regulatory philosophy i don't even fucking know what you'd call this but you don't fix wealth distribution that's never something that's because well not wealth. not 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 fix it because i'm just saying that if there's any way to recover the financial advantages that for example white people had over black people because black people were their slaves for hundreds of years you there's no way to reset that nah, i got an argument for that you do keep going no no no. i, I want to hear it then oh it's the capital r word that people hate to hear and it's called reparations give oh, us our well, fucking that's... land and give us yeah. the money of all the years that we worked and gave you super duper profits Take yeah but where's that money gonna come from then from the taxpayer? Come from. Or is that going to come from Damn right it comes from the taxpayer. Why don't they pull that from the white people, the white families that have profited from that whoa. over the years? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. <laughs> Cello, oh shit, whoa. we made you uncomfortable. He was staring out the window. I was like, wait a second. Where is this conversation going? Um, you know that bullshit <laughs> statistic? Or it's not really bullshit, but you know, the, like there's only like, I don't know, 80 That's something That's another conversation families. another time, I believe. Um, Cello's right. We've gone too deep. We've gone <laughs> off the deep end. Yeah. We need to we need to put our uh, floaties back on and get back to just the headers. So let's. <laughs> I like how Cello's like. Wait a second. No, he's what? talking. When did you guys talk about reparations? Wait, he's talking to someone. Cello, were you talking about? Yeah. Were you talking to talking us? His or wife. Were you talking? He's got it. He's got us. Or he's got himself <laughs> muted. Were you no, talking here, to us? Or were, you, were you talking to us? Or were you talking to? I was talking to somebody else. Are we still oh. on this Trump America ideology? That's Trump not even America. where we're headed at all. Um, all right. Well, one, what do you need my opinion on? We Because he said there's no way to set the, the slate clean between white people and black people. Here's the, yeah, um, the slate clean is racism happened hundreds of years ago. Get over it. Okay. That's but the a money, very interesting the money thing advanced. for the someone money who's racially ambiguous to say. But no, racism didn't happen hundreds of years ago. It's oh, no, no, still no. going on today. I'm talking about slavery, not racism. Oh, slavery happened hundreds of years ago, but you don't just get over it when the ramifications are still being felt in the current day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But the whole the – whole, I, I know this isn't a Bitcoin related, but I don't think the today's racism is stemming from slavery. Oh, boy. We can't have that conversation. <laughs> I am way more interested right in that conversation than the rest of the <laughs> I'm more interested in that conversation than crypto headlines. It's, it's, it's origins were from that, but the, the racist white guy down the street envisioning white America, that has nothing to do with uh, 40 acres and a mule, I don't think. 40 parcels and a mule. That's that's just my, uh, All right. my, uh, my take. I hate that we're giving up this conversation. I'm what just letting you know that. You want to keep going down this wanna, path? We don't say, have that much time, do we? I want to say screw the headers, and I want to know, as a non-white and a non-black person, this is like a a part of history I have never this is experienced. a very interesting conversation. We have 
uh, you're Filipino, correct? Yeah, Filipino Mexican. So and Chinese. A Filipino Mexican, a black guy, and a half white and black guy discussing the black white conflict on a show about headlines on <laughs> cryptocurrency. Okay, here we go. This is what I will say: is I will say that this country directly benefited from two things in its origins: geographical happenstance of having two oceans of distance between them and their and their opposers, and slavery. Not indentured servitude, straight up free labor for hundreds of years. That's right? that's I agree. I agree with those two things, and they're probably more more than those two things. But there's, we can, there's we a can little bit more. There. There's a great constitution. Let's not let's not rule that out. Great, mm, great, except for the fact that only white dudes were really taken into consideration. <laughs> I would say great. Well, you're, when you when you say slavery, you're only taking into account agriculture. You're not taking into account like the clothing trade, right? Which is mm. which is largely assisted by the Native Americans. They so, uh, were they not paid? I was always told that slavery wasn't about racism; it was about equity and profits. Yeah, but you were also educated in the South, so. <laughs> When you, if, if you went to a slave owner and you said that they're racist, they would probably be surprised to hear that. They they just looked at someone that was uh, willing to work, you know. For that's that's one. I love the modern day lexicon that we're discussing this right now. But two, it's absolutely about racism. Just what? watch. It was Django. a caste system. It was a caste uh, system. That's all it was. The core principle was white supremacy, but slavery was racially based caste system. That's all it was. I mean, however you, I mean, no, it was racism. We're not gonna, we're not gonna take that, we're not gonna take that out of the eyeglass of racism. But what I'm trying to do is define to Jesse how the slate can be made straight, right? Yeah, and you say reparations um, at the cost of the taxpayer. So whenever and I say is... reparations at the cost of the families that are still benefiting from the wealth accumulated during that those few hundred of year, uh, hundreds or a couple hundreds of years. No, the taxpayer. Why so, do you say the taxpayer? Uh, because the country, the whole country, benefited from on the backs of slaves, monumentally. In order to have the financial freedom to go out west and discover, in order to have the financial freedom to print takes like copy paper in World War II, like all of that profit from free labor and compound interest spiraled to a point where the country is where it is right now. So everyone needs to pay what they're due. But there are people, like, if you look at the statistics of the makeup of America I'm and what percentage too, is going man. to be Hispanic. I'm just, I'm just getting at the fact that I'm getting at the fact that why are you going to have non-white people pay for white people who benefited from slavery? That's what I'm getting at. Okay, I'm why don't drink. you why don't you have the corporations that still exist today that were founded from the money that came from those plantations? Have those companies who are now multi-billion-dollar corporations pay the reparations? Okay, all I'm, okay. That's a strong point. This is obviously a discussion that many people have had before us, and we're having now. But I would say <laughs> that that is one solution. Yes, 
the reason why I think my destroy the earth, the whole everyone pays taxes solution needs to understand is that if this country is going to continue to be on the forefront of race relations like it has been for the past 100 years and will continue to probably be because that is what makes it great, then you do make a statement that bold. And by the way, make a statement to Native Americans too. Like that's the statement you make is that like, yeah, we we dirted the shit out of those people. And then that's not including the 50 to 70 years of legal persecution and now the 20 to 30 years of the ramifications of the legal persecution is that like there's a the the effect to a cause is almost just as long standing as the cause itself and if you have hundreds of years of slavery then combined with like legal legal systems and structures that are designed to destroy the fabric of a group of people then you need to go the opposite direction on that pendulum to make sure that those people are whole and to make sure that they can stand on their own right and what i'm getting at is if you take the if you take the reparation money from taxpayers the the current tax system as it stands is is put into place to keep all the people who are middle class and below exactly where they are. So when you increase taxes, who generally pays the most? Well, it's generally middle class and below. So you're just putting okay. more of a burden on them with that. The The tax system would have to be overhauled before you making reparations from taxpayers would make any sense. Or else you're just putting the burden. You're, you're borrowing money to help black people from black people. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense. But if you borrow, you gotta borrow you, from the if people. If the people are paying more, if the people are paying less in taxes than they're getting back in reparations, then it's a net positive, right? Like if I pay so many hundreds into a system, extra in a year or ten yeah. years. If I pay so many hundreds every extra year in ten years into a system, and then I pay back way more than what would be worth in those hundreds plus inflation then is worth it how about we just make the government like all because what what is government it's like mostly white people right why don't we just yeah. make all of their jobs have no salary and all that money give it to black people for reparations <laughs> nobody's gonna do it if Nobody you participate worth in politics you i mean that's how it is in some states right if you if you are involved in politics in like i don't know michigan or wisconsin or one of those states you actually have to have like a regular nine to five alongside serving um, as part of the government. That. I agree. I like that. So your money doesn't actually come from the taxpayers. It actually comes from your normal job, which is part of a business, which is, you know, capitalism. Fine. So don't pay white people to make laws that assist white people. Okay. Have we solved it? I think we've we solved we we I don't think we can solve this. Us three. <laughs> we've solved racism. We Yay. solved it. <laughs> we did it, guys. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have good news and bad news. That was just the weekend articles. We're now finally on to Monday. <laughs> we should probably reel this shit in because people don't have forever to listen to this show. All right, let's talk about religion next. Let's talk <laughs> about religion, and let's talk... <laughs> Shit. Okay. Um, I feel very productive now that I've solved uh, hundreds of years of racism. 
I don't think if anyone guessed that I would have said it wasn't. If we don't need reparations, of course I'm going to say that. Like, I mean, let's just be for real. But next article, Cello, go ahead and take it. You're the guest here. It's Monday's first article. Oh, no. I don't have my Google sheet open. Okay. Uh, I got you covered. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. While you help him out. All right. So that first article for Monday, the headline reads, Coinbase unveils plans to enter the Japanese market. Uh, The author of that article was Kevin Helms, and it was three days ago and has 3,783 views. It's an article that you can find on Bitcoin.com or our database. Um, All right, so it begins with saying, one of the largest U.S. cryptocurrency companies, Coinbase, has unveiled its plans to enter the Japanese market in order to, quote, accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency, end quote. The company has been in talks with the country's financial regulator to ensure compliance. Coinbase announced on Monday, June 4th, its plan to enter the Japanese market. Vice President and General Manager Dan Romero wrote, quote, As part of our effort to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency, today we're launching or announcing the launch of Coinbase's office in Japan. We plan to take a deliberate approach to our rollout in Japan, which means working hand-in-hand with the Japanese FSA, which is which stands for Financial Services Agency, to ensure compliance with local laws at every stage. Currently operating in 32 countries, Coinbase claims to have more than 20 million customers. Quote, we support USD, Euro, Great British Pound, Canadian Dollar, and BTC currencies for trading, its website states. Other than Japan, the only other Asian country the company currently has a presence in is Singapore. So I, I don't really yeah, what do you what do you think about that when in when Coinbase is saying their their plan to expand into the Japanese market is to accelerate the adoption of cryptocurrency? Um I'll take it. I think it's good. Because I know about the Japanese market and I know that they're very wary of centralized exchanges uh after not only Mt. Gox, but CoinCheck. So I think it's the perfect market to test a, a, a Coinbase. Uh, type system to restore faith and to accelerate global adoption. Are you afraid that Coinbase is going to replace Mt. Cox? Yeah, uh, that's a good. That's a good point. Because they're they're becoming like the preeminent exchange to use where wherever you are internationally. I mean, right now Coinbase is their own hype train, so it's it's. It's really in their hands. Um, I think it's good news, but that that's a good point you brought up. Yeah, I wouldn't want to make them more popular than they are in the Eastern Hemisphere as they are already in the Western. What do you think, D? D is... Oh, oh I see his photo. It's a computer chair turned around, <laughs> which means he's not there. Um yeah, and you know what? I don't know. You know, Coinbase. Some people think that they can blatantly manipulate the market, and this would just be a a greater force to buy in at a higher price. But I mean, if we're just talking about adoption, I think it's uh, I think it's good. Did you see? So later in the article, further down, it says CEO appointed in Japan, and then apparently they they uh, hired a Japanese guy now Kitazawa, who was in their San Francisco office as the CEO of the new office. 
and his history is uh, as having worked as an investment banker at Morgan Stanley Japan. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, um, it seems. Go ahead, Chill. Doesn't Japan already have a fiat to crypto points of conversion, though? Don't they have a shitload of exchanges in Japan? They do. They have a, a shit ton. In fact, there's an article that we'll read later on that uh, states that Japan is actually starting to reject new uh, cryptocurrency yep. exchanges because they have so goddamn many yep. already. So, one, Cello, I think you're thinking like Coinbase is thinking, which is great um, for Coinbase. And you seeing how they think is like, I think that from uh, a crypto adoption standpoint, that's bullshit. They don't want crypto adoption. They want Coinbase adoption. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. don't want. They definitely yeah. don't want crypto adoption. They want Coinbase adoption. Um, you know, just because that's like you mentioned earlier, broke. That's human nature. Like, if I make something, I want to make sure people are using the thing that I make. So, um, that answers your question, Jesse. It's not about crypto adoption. It's about Coinbase adoption. About Coinbase popularizing themselves in a new market. Yeah. Now, indirectly, Cello, that might be crypto adoption, but that's only for the small select few. I mean, as we've learned over the years of doing this stuff, is that like the majority of people that enter this space are like, oh my God, I can get rich. And then they realize they can't get rich and you have to actually care about the shit. And maybe it benefits you by contributing to it. Um, I don't know. Those are the, the more hardcore adopters. But... um. That's that. Mm. Next article. Right. Oh, wait. Yeah. You want to go to the next one? Yeah, go ahead, Cello. Do you have the uh, articles loaded? Oh, I didn't know that I was I was supposed to learn from my errors and pull it out. <laughs> we'll give you some time. Bye. We'll play some Elevator music until then. Um, oh, I got to be honest. I don't, even, I don't even know how to find <laughs> it. Dude, the link. I just posted the link in the Slack. Did you? Oh, yes. there we go. All right, we'll keep all right. elevator music. All right, so we are... Uh, Monday, we are? article okay. two. We're on Monday, second article, yeah. Second article. All Steve, right. Steve Wozniak. Oh, I got a, I got a Helen Parts article. Uh, you got to go to the June tab. Yeah, go to the June tab. And then right. you guys are getting some behind the scenes at just the headers. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, uh, Bitcoin is the only digital gold. That is a direct quote from Steve Wozniak. That guy looks like a yeti. Uh, if you don't know who Steve Wozniak is, he is the co-founder of Apple. Yep. Uh, let me dive into this article a little bit because he name drops uh, the founder of Twitter, and he CEO says that he. Twitter. CEO. He says he buys into what Jack Dorsey says. Not that I necessarily believe it's going to happen, but because I want it to be that way. That is so pure thinking. And what Jack said is he was basically bullish on on, on the crypto, uh, saying that Bitcoin will become the single currency of both the internet and the world. So basically, we have this very bullish statement, and we're getting credible people um, behind uh, lending support behind that statement. Um. He goes on to say that only Bitcoin is pure digital gold, and he, he buys into that, and all the others tend to give up some aspect of the Bitcoin. For example, 
being totally decentralized and having no central control. And that's the first one they have to give up to try and have a business model. I agree with them. Yeah. Here's, I will say this, and hopefully this isn't too long winded because we used a lot of the show already to talk about weekend is that I'm starting to appreciate the irony and dichotomy. And that is the fact that Bitcoin in and of itself, we want to be this distribute decentralized distributed entity to allow for transactions to occur. Yet we want all of the rest of humanity to use this one thing. So we want people to centralize their trust in this decentralized entity. That, I think, is a ironic dichotomy. And that's it. That's all I have to say. And the article, Wozniak said he, he bought Bitcoin at $700. And it was just to experiment at. And he just has one Bitcoin and two Ether. He himself personally has one Bitcoin and two Ether. Something that he owns has a lot more. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Something that he owns owns a lot more Ether, owns a lot more crypto than that. It's it's hard for me to read articles like this because it just seems like people with influence can pump up their own investment with statements like this. Mm-hmm. So that's something that came in the, the general chat, Cello, that we were talking about today. Is like it's really hard to talk about the, the stuff that you own in this industry because it's such a small market, it can be looked at as manipulative. Yeah, I don't even know what Tron does. I still don't, but I talk about it, so <laughs> maybe the price goes up. Nobody you, knows what Tron does. You and Jesse, no one we knows. just have it. And just, that's why I have it's amazing. <laughs> All right. Next Tron, article. Tron is the the point of Tron is it's it's a meme coin. It's going to be a meme coin that everybody has, but nobody knows why they have it. Hey, that's, I mean Dogecoin has a huge market cap based on that same principle. So Yeah. Who knows? Tron memes. About the movie. Tron. Um D still listens to the Tron soundtrack like every day. I listen to it so much. <laughs> so much. Like I'm gonna be traveling on Saturday. Guess what I'm listening to? You know what I try to do? I try to time the overture, which is track number one on that soundtrack, to when the plane starts taking off. So it feels really epic for me, just in case the plane doesn't fully take off and crashes into the fucking ground. At least I went out feeling really <laughs> fucking epic. You want to die to a soundtrack? You da- you're damn right. you damn right I want to die to a soundtrack because of my beliefs. But I want to die to a soundtrack. What's your favorite song on the, on the soundtrack besides the overture? Um, Adagio Overture. Like, what about Derez? Adagio Overture. That's everybody's. Yeah, you can't say Derez. That's, that's, you kidding me? <laughs> you, you, you kidding me? Oh, shit. No, you're hipster. Um, yeah, uh, no, no, no. Um, Adagio for Tron is my favorite track, uh, because it's amazing. And if I'm drunk enough, it, it may make, you know what you should do. You should listen to end of the line when you, yes, die. yes, I agree. Or, or not, or go out epically because if I'm listening to end of the line, <laughs> I love that. That's a good, that's a good song too. End of the, the line club's is good. So he is, died. um, soldier, what's it called? Uh, Sailor Soldier. That's a good one. Oh, that soundtrack is amazing, man. I'm going to listen to that after this. It's so good. Play it as loud as you can with good amount of bass. And it just, 
You could get any work done to that soundtrack. You can do any things to the Tron soundtrack. Okay. Um, All right, next article. <laughs> yeah, next article. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, I only had 80 minutes, so I got to bounce. You guys finish without me. Oh, you got a fam. That's right. That's right. All right, we'll finish this up. It's going All right, really thanks, long. Guys. We might have to make it a two-part episode. All right, see you, see you Cello. <laughs> Later. All right. Next article. I'll take this one. Former okay. SEC chair to represent Ripple. And oh my f- oh, God. I'm so tired of Ripple. <sighs> okay, let me take my thoughts out of this. Court records show that distributed ledger. Oh boy. Distributed ledger startup Ripple is being represented by two former Securities and Exchange Commission officials, including the one time chairman, Mary Jo White, in an ongoing civil matter. Twin filings reveal that White, along with Andrew Kirsney, are representing Ripple in a lawsuit first filed in May by investor Ryan Kofi. Both are currently employed at Debevoy and Pimpton, <laughs> where White serves as a senior chair. Kirsney served as the SEC's director of enforcement between April 2013 and December 2016, with the White serving as SEC chair between a period up until the end of Obama administration in January of last year. The representation of Ripple was first reported by Law.com on Monday. Uh, records also indicate that the case itself has moved from the San Francisco County Superior Court to the United States District Court of the Northern District of California. As previously reported, the proposed class action lawsuit alleges that Ripple violated state and federal securities laws. It centers around this question of whether XRP is a security, given its relationship with Ripple which is assets that the digital asset is wholly distinct from the private company. That lady looks like That's Emperor Palpatine. That lady does look like Emperor Palpatine. Power. Re- yes. Unlimited power. Unlimited power. Here's a quote. We're ready to fight this opportunistic suit in an appropriate, in an appropriate federal court. We love, com- we, we feel confident that the, Claims regarding XRP are completely unfounded, both in law and fact. Okay. Can I be opinionated here? Yeah, absolutely. Go for okay. it. Okay. Ripple is full of fucking shit. Like, it but is. They're doing a sh- great job trying to legitimize themselves. Better than Bcash. Who is the marketer for Ripple? This guy needs a freaking award. Yeah. Like, it's getting out of control, man. Like, one. They're actually making Ripple look legitimate. Like, if I didn't know anything, I would be like, Ripple's really cool crypto. And at the same time, they're pulling, they're playing on the psychological fact that Ripple has such a high amount of Ripple in circulation that the price is low. So people are like buying into it and wanting it to moon. Yeah, that shit ain't mooning. And so here's the thing is that it's not going to take much for it to moon. Right, especially if you give a twenty, if you give a twenty trillion dollar crypto market and Ripple's in the top ten, guess what? You now have just granted your family with fortune for the rest of time. But here's the thing: is that Ripple's not a cryptocurrency, and it's owned by like three people, and it's very centralized. And they get, I mean, it's so many things it's not, and no one in the Ripple community, not even like that bald guy. Like the tall guy who's bald on the top but has long hair on the sides won't come on the show to defend Ripple. So at this point, I can only constitute that Ripple's full of shit. Mm. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, next article. Fuck that bullshit. I'm tired of Ripple, and I'm like this close to being like Fox News and saying no more Ripple articles. <laughs> Fuck that Obama bullshit. Okay, I'm sorry. If you're not Fox News, then you have to like clarify who you are, then, because people will assume we're CNN, and I don't like that either. Yeah, I don't like either one of those. So, like, okay. Anyways, or HGTV. I don't get HGTV at all. You don't understand it, or you don't get the channel. I don't get why it exists, and I don't get it. Okay, here's why here's why I don't get it. Here's why I would get it. If if I like if I'm a homeowner, I see like, oh, here's some ideas for owning my home. But whenever I turn on HGTV, it's like a show like um let's go find a property that's thirty times more expensive than yours and showcase it to everyone. And it's like, what? I don't My parents love that shit. <laughs> They love looking at homes they can't afford. <laughs> what the but fuck that, is the point of that? But, but they care. know it exists, so that they can appreciate it. It's not like 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 you know if you go to like Rome and you go to like I don't know see some cool shit in Rome, or you go to China and you see like the Great Wall. You're not going to own the Great Wall in your backyard, right? But you're like, hey, that's a pretty cool piece of shit. You know, that's a pretty cool piece <laughs> of shit. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> The Great Wall with a quote underneath it that says, that's a pretty cool piece of shit right there, baby. That's <laughs> the pyramid. We should start a clothing line. Pyramid of Giza. Pretty cool piece of shit. <laughs> All the wonders of the world. Uh, Lady Tower Pizza. Pretty cool piece of shit right there. <laughs> okay, I'm enough. We need to go to the next article. Speaking of pretty cool pieces of shit, here's Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, sorry, kidding. All right, here, I'll take this one. All right, so the article reads, Satoshi Nakamoto revealed says, UK nonprofits, dilometry and bootstrapping, quote, proof. Written by C. Edward Kelso. I th- I'm starting to think he's a bot. Like, is he not a bot or that's a real person? I think it's a real person. When you click on his name, it takes yeah. you to... Um, I heard you click. That's what the authenticity of this show. It takes you to a person with a forearm tattoo. And only a real person has a forearm tattoo. All right, he looks real enough. Let me get back to the article. Yeah, let's get back. <laughs> All right, so 10,302 views, 79 com- uh, comments. He writes, self-described informative and interactive crypto website, Z Crypto, a nonprofit based in England, believes it has struck ecosystem gold by discovering satoshi nakamoto's real identity it's the second attempt by the outfit and both times they've relied upon stylometry what is stylometry go keep going i'm gonna google that before concluding and i don't even know if i'm pronouncing that right so please confirm before concluding that bitcoin cash developer gavin andreessen is satoshi hiding in plain sight this go-round analysis involves not only statistical analysis of pros, but also, I don't know how to pronounce that name, but also Massage Eater's bootstrapping method in an attempt to eliminate natural bias in such conclusions. Okay, so stylometry 
It's something we probably could have guessed, but here is the definition. Just sketching? The statistical analysis of variations in literary style between one oh. writer or genre and another. Nope, I wouldn't have gotten that. Wow, that's some scientific shit, because if it's statistical, then you're talking about probabilities, ultimately, and variations in literary style. So there has to be Is some correlation or variation. Huh? Is that accurate? The definition? No, no, no. I mean, like, uh, being able to identify identities through stylometry. Yeah, definitely. You can oh, okay. see how people write in different genres and, and t- say that's definitely like if you read a J.K. Rowling book and then read a Dan Brown a Dan Brown book and they tried to emulate each other, I guarantee yeah. you'd still be able to figure out like okay that author's there and that author's there. Hmm. So I think if they tried to be who they created, yeah, but I feel like they could if they were good at creating such a unique persona, I feel like they'd be. Just as good with emulating someone else's, no? Maybe not. Maybe that's just incorrect. Yeah, but they're creating personas, but I'm talking the writing style, right? Yeah, I don't. I I I would assume that if you can create a writing style like the way she writes Harry Potter books, I mean, Mm -mm. couldn't she? No. Okay. Okay. Let me let me ask you a question. Name five famous authors throughout history. That's not a stumper, man. Just the five five famous authors, like the the books that we read, kids. Okay. Um. What is who who wrote a tale? Uh, tale of two cities. I don't even know. Charles Dickens. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with Charles Dickens. All right. Uh, who wrote, um, Huckleberry Finn? Uh oh, shit. The River Guy. Mark Twain. All right. Mark Twain. There we go. All right. Who? Uh, can we go with uh poets? Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, we'll go Robert Frost, and we'll go... Um, Robert Frost. Okay, that's three. All right. Um, can't think of another one. Uh, let's see. R.L. Who Stein. wrote... Okay, sure. Sure, okay, we'll go with that. R.L. Stein. And then who, <laughs> who writes... I guess who writes... Uh, who writes... All those horror uh, novels that get turned into... Um, movies. Oh, Stephen King. Scary. Stephen King, there you go. Okay, so that's five, right? Yeah. How are you able to name them? They each have very unique styles that can't be recreated. <laughs> yeah, but so, they, they... I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, guess. I mean, that's, that's why we... That's why unique authors have unique styles, because they can't be recreated. And that's that's why I guess stylometry is a thing. Even though that's clearly somebody who spent a very long time in school, invented. But Satoshi only has like less than a year or about a year of forum posts. Um, that's true, but and most I've... people. Go ahead. I mean, they're authors, right? They they spend their entire life trying to develop a unique personality or a new unique writing style. Whereas, like, if I'm writing documentation for a project that I worked on, or whether you're writing. Um, documentation for you know marketing materials like the language is is probably similar no i don't know i don't know either but i do know that if people didn't have significant stylings then their stylometry wouldn't exist so 
But who do they think Satoshi Nakamoto is? Because I think that's what everybody's like sitting on the edge of their seat to try and <laughs> figure out. Well, that, that's what they were saying. Bitcoin Cash developer Gavin Andreessen is the real Satoshi Nakamoto. That's what that's what uh, Zai Crypto or Z Crypto, um, that nonprofit oh, company. Oh, that's, that's, that's lazy bullshit. So, I mean, yeah, I guess. It, it's just believable enough for people like me. Oh, wait, they have data. Oh, no, there's data. There's graphs. Yeah, shit, there's data. Nah. It's pretty believable just based upon the precipice that Gavin and Reasons always says this exactly the same. Every fucking time he's asked the question, he says, uh, I don't know. Satoshi Nakamoto stopped communicating with me after I told him I was going to speak with the FBI. And he says it like that, like every time. So mm. it's like it's it's like an alibi at this point. But I'm going to stop being a conspiracy theorist because, if anything, if he is Satoshi Nakamoto, good on him. He's a very well. He posted. Man. He posted on Twitter. My opinion of the accuracy of stylometry dropped significantly after reading this. <laughs> he he put that on Twitter as a reply to the article <laughs> from Z Crypto. Using stylometry analysis, I've discovered I may be Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next article. It's very funny how like we 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 like in in less than two minutes we were like stylometry is a thing, of course. And then like, oh okay, it's made up pseudoscience. Fucking right, bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> next article. Uh, I got this one. Okay. The show's going to go really long. Maybe people will like it. Well, Some people say they do. Some people don't. Maybe some people have long commutes. Volkswagen to partner a blockchain-based startup for developing automotive applications. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that Volkswagen look like it's got, like, weird eyes? Oh, no, the eyes are on the windshield. Okay. The eyes of what? Yes. Yes, they are on the windshield. Lithuania-based company, Car Vertical. I like the uh, hump case they're using. Who developed a platform for used car history reports, has been granted a ticket to the Volkswagen Future Mobility Incubator in Dresden as the company became the winner of a manufacturer's pitch competition. Says the official press release, the event was held on May 31st in Riga, Latvia. According to the press release, the decision was announced after numerous teams of entrepreneurs held their presentations at the event organized by German Baltic Chamber of Commerce. As the expert jury noted, Car Vertical convinced them that their data of using blockchain, that, sorry, their idea of using blockchain to record vehicle histories. So, this is nothing new. We actually interviewed a company on announcements that's trying to take all the data that goes into the memory of your car and put it on a blockchain. Um, here's the thing is that that's a shit ton of data and it's not going to work. So yeah. It's next, way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So next way too much. article. Yeah. As having seen the challenges of just like the, the different buses that they're trying to design to be capable of all the media data transmission within a car, like there's way too much. Sorry. 
Like maybe you can pull key things, but anyway. All right. So this next article. Hold up. I want you to coin that with, I studied electrical engineering. I think I know a thing or two about data storage. (laughs) I hate people who throw around their credentials. Like, fuck that. No, just I'm a dude. I've read some stuff. Don't worry about it. Okay. You can take my opinion as it is. Or, you know why people uh, throw away, throw around their credentials for that sentence that you just said? That's so bullshit, though. I'm, a, those I'm a dude. I read some stuff. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> can you? <laughs> you know, you know I, I had a, there was a project I was working on today, right? And, yeah. um, and the client was questioning what I was doing. And I was like, don't question it. Just go with it. You're just, you're just wasting more of your money and my time by you uh, having me verify by getting a few other engineers on the phone to basically tell you the same thing. And they're, they're all, in agreements with, all in agreement with my proposed design. And, and so we wasted about you know, an hour. And you know, our consultant fee is super fucking expensive. So like... In one hour, they probably wasted, you know, five hundred something dollars of their time. It's just like, of their money rather for our time. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just if and that this is the this is well. So I could go on a tangent about engineers versus other professionals, but I feel like the more expensive your time is, the less people question it. So like a, like a like a doctor, right? If a doctor, if you go to a like an ophthalmologist and you 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 heard from another ophthalmologist that or rather from your optometrist that that you can't get LASIK because you're going blind because we think you have this disease go get checked out by an ophthalmologist and then you go see that ophthalmologist and it takes about 10 minutes for them to tell you nope that was bullshit the optometrist is retarded and then you waste like $300 on that visit like if if engineers were paid way more people if people's time and and I guess if people just trusted other people and didn't have to get verifications all the time, like things would go way more smooth. Just like stupid fucking cars at intersections. Like if if we all didn't need a fucking streetlight to go from green, yellow to red to figure out who is allowed to go, like we could probably go a lot faster. Well, that's what they try in countries where they don't have green, yellow, and red, and it turns into a clusterfuck. Oh, yeah, I'm actually curious. Like, besides <laughs> roundabout solution, anyway, fuck it. I can I can go on tangents. On I think you tangented too far. But what I think you're trying to say is that we should have more trust from our fellow man and their opinions. But at the same time, I would say that these professions exist for the simple fact that you have a more educated opinion, and people are going to trust your more educated opinion. I need more education. Everyone needs more education. If they're a human that is worthwhile, people should be pursuant to eliminating themselves of ignorance. Yeah, I agree. But if you're not pursuant to eliminating yourself of ignorance and only pursuing to get education as a means to an end, like, I want to get this degree so I can be that, then I think that is a very vapid and void reasoning for wanting to pursue the elimination of ignorance. Well, but that's the thing in our society. Like sometimes you need that stupid certificate to get your foot in the door. Like sometimes raw skills don't cut it. I think you need that stupid certificate to get your foot into the door. If you, it just takes less time. It shortens the time. Hmm. If you've got raw, unadulterated skill, 
Unadulterated. Unadulterated, that's right. Unfiltered, unabridged talent in whatever thing. The people that need that talent and can profit off of it are going to recognize that and going to put you in a position to do that. Mm. Point blank, period. I, I, I can agree with that up to a certain point. I think a piece of paper makes them more likely. The piece of paper relegates the amount of skills that you have. If you've got a piece of paper, you don't need to have that many skills. You just need to have the piece of paper that shows that you can learn the skills. I'm salty that I didn't finish a PhD. And that everybody, like, I remember that, like, in school, it's like, everybody's going to get a bachelor's, get a master's. So, like, I got a master's. But then, like, everybody has, like, a master's now. So, it's like, I should have gotten that stupid PhD. See, but that's the ends to and mean. What is the PhD going to do for you? It's not going to eliminate your ignorance. It's going to, so I guess all the peop, uh, piece of paper does is say that, hey, I stuck around because I was dedicated, smart enough, and I guess to some degree to do a PhD. Well, I guess, no, you don't need to have the passion. You just need money. Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyways, uh, we've we gotten really deep in this episode, and we're like only on Monday. <laughs> and we've been recording for, hold up, let me the time. We've like been recording two, for a freaking two and hour, and half hour. hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's an hour. Shit. Sorry, guys. Maybe we should, like, cut this one short and say, hey, there's articles that exist. Go out and get let's, them. Let's, let's read the headlines. How about that? We read through the headlines, and then yeah. they, they can go through them if they want. Yeah, so first, we'll apologize. You know, sorry, guys, for us going on these tangents, but that's the beauty of having a podcast. We like to get deep. Maybe you wanted to get deep, too. Uh, but we're just going to read through these headlines for you. And, of course, you know how to find the database. It's the link, it's, it's the link in the the show notes um our apologies uh so let's go through these articles really quick like that was tuesday here's wednesday we have six articles to read to you guys um so wednesday's first article says cryptocurrencies quote are not going away says cftc official and CFTC is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Uh, commission. Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. Next article. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I bet you there might have been some, something substantial in that article. Well, no, probably not. I mean, All right. we know they're not going away. The real reason token issuers are fleeing the U.S. So uh, get jailed and their money taken away. So there's three outlines. This is all I'll say. They're either leaving because there's a race to value outside of the U.S. Liechtenstein, Malta, Germany, Gibraltar. Follow the leader. Um, some of them are saying like, "Oh, you left. I'm gonna leave too." And then there's a royal opportunity. Obviously, um, Britain. They're talking about Britain. Is that like the U.S. isn't as friendly as that as that everyone would hoped? But Great Britain looks like it might be a little bit. Great Britain. The United Kingdom, the United Kingdom, England, looks like they may be, why am I saying all these regal-ass so, names? They sound so like, great and medieval sounding. Or yeah, great know, like, let's, sounding is what I meant look, to say. You guys don't get too lofty, okay? Great, United, look, okay, England, okay, fucking England is a little bit more, uh, <laughs> fuck it, all right, next, I next article. I everyone in England. 
I remember two weeks ago when you were just like dissing all the countries, all the people, everybody. <laughs> no one was safe from you. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm gonna do it again. This next article's got something to do with Japan. I'm about to fuck y'all up with some truth. Japan. Japan's financial watchdog rejects crypto exchange license for the first time. All right. Uh, wait a second. Samsung's Korean or Japanese company, right? That's Korean. Korean. Okay, never mind. I'll set that joke to the side. Japan's <laughs> uh, <laughs> financial oh services has barred a crypto exchange for receiving an operating license for the first time. Nikai Asian Review reports the regulator has now chosen to permanently deny registration to Yokohama. Ba- Yokohama Tires, baby. I love them. Just because the name is so dope. Oh, my um, God. Yokohama-based FHA. We should make it a challenge. Just just saying for the next show, we should make it a challenge not to go out on a, on a tangent and actually deliver the headlines. And then we have some sort of like inside punishment for for going out on tangents. Like we have to we have to um give get fractions of Litecoin to our viewers. Okay. Or 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 we we make a fund at the end at the end of the show, and however many times you went off tangent, you donate I don't know something like like uh, point whatever Litecoin or something point something, and then at the end we can like raffle off like um, maybe like people okay we'll we'll have like a keyword we'll, we'll we'll mention a keyword somewhere in the show so you have to listen to you know maybe not the entirety of the show but until that keyword is revealed. And then if you post that keyword in Slack, then you are enrolled to win um, whatever the pot is for however many times we went off tangent. See, and I thought about that. that, But once one person posts the keyword, everybody sees the keyword, and they're going to start copying it. And then what's to keep them from colluding? If the prize gets big enough, they could say, hey, here's the keyword. If we have this many people post keyword, we could just split the Mm -hmm. winnings. There's, I've thought about this game a lot of times being a podcaster because you have to yeah. be creative. And there's so many avenues of attack you have to think about. And you're like, wow. Attack. People just kind of suck. And then you keep it rolling. <laughs> you keep making a show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, so, okay. I like your idea. Maybe if we hash it low. out. I, maybe if we talk to Corey and Colin and we hash it out. Oh, gross! Don't. Then, what are you talking about? Then this is called marketing. Why are you shitting on me right now? That's... I, I, I'm shitting on your puns, not your marketing. That was clever. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> it's like dad jokes. It's like fuck that. I'm okay. out. Whenever long, I hear a dad joke. Yeah. Long to short, uh, Japan's finally declining somebody for ma- making an exchange, and this makes perfect sense. Because in Japan, like Cello said, they had the Mount Gox and they had the other thing, and they had Mount Gox again. Like they're just they're really overcautious now, which is good for the people. Next headline: Putin, Ooh, this one Russia, Russia should explore blockchain to. to avoid finance quote limitations. Let's launder money. That's what that's what the stance is probably through crypto. Mm-hmm. I like the picture. It's got Putin making a am I going to launder face and a guy on the right that was like, sure, we don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a good caption. That was good. <laughs> um, you, should, you should do that more often. Yeah. 
I'll say this one thing and we'll move on. Uh, Russia does a great job of saying they're not going to do something and then actually doing that thing. So we're just going to move on. They've been doing that for a really long time in history. So let's just mm. let's just let's just kind of fake news. No, <laughs> I guess we do the same thing too, right? But there's about thirty years of propaganda that is trying to be flushed out of my American system. So. Uh, bullish signals hint at Bitcoin price breakout. Uh, we literally uh, see this article once a week. So oh, what? It's going to break out. What? Yeah. Time to buy up some Bitcoin. I did like that article that did denote that like there's a 10-day period of every year where Bitcoin mm. has like outst- astronomical gains. And But by the way, those 10 days are not predictable. So... Dollar cost average and just invest in it. Like invest, hashtag not investment advice. But if you do see a long term viability to the technology, put some money in it that you would regardless not care if it goes by the wayside. Just saying. Hashtag not investment advice. And <laughs> you've got to say that too, or we can get sued. Hashtag not investment. I'm pretty sure that doesn't fucking work. I saw somebody post about that on Twitter. Wait. Or wherever it was. What do you mean? Yeah, it doesn't work. Like having like a verbal or a written disclaimer, like that's that's not gonna save you. What? Go on. All right. Anyway. All right. So the last piece of news for Thursday is an article stating crypto trading platform implements automated bots for major crypto exchanges. Yeah, there's a pretty cool picture of like a like a Damn. robot with four or six arms typing away at a trading console, but it actually looks like a mixing studio because that's what it looks like. And it's got like 12 monitors with one on the right, so 13 monitors. And it's got an oscilloscope for whatever reason on the far left, which doesn't even make any sense. But it has 36 flanges. There's six... No, one, two, three, four. Oh my God! There's four, there's eight arms with six phalanges each. Is it eight arms? Yeah, like I see one, two, three, four on the right side. Unless they made it asymmetrical, that'd be weird. Hmm. So that be that makes eight arms with six phalanges. Having emerged in September 2017, three commas an international crypto trading startup has introduced a series of automatic trading bots for Binance. Company has also <laughs> revealed its plan to launch the bots for all other major supported exchanges like Bitfinex, Bittrex, Bitstamp, KuCoin, Poloniex, HitBTC, Sex. Did I say that right? Sex. You did. You did. It's not Kex. All right. Huobi and Yobit in due course. In due course. So the company says the bot is designed to help you make a ton of money. No. Designed to help traders create <laughs> passive income while providing safety mechanisms to prevent losses of bullshit in case the market goes down. All right, so it's going to skim off the top. That's what it's probably going to try and do. Um, good luck if you use that. Here's a quote. We'll end the show on this. We strongly recommend you to use the minimum possible volumes and percent of profits in first trades to understand how the bot works and how different settings impact on its workflow, warns the company's blog. 
Not only the volume, but time of purchase depends on these settings as well. So what they're basically saying is if you lose your money, we are not at fault. Hashtag not investment advice. How can we be sued from that? I'm really curious now because I say that so, a lot. And all these CYA notes, even on the news website, Cointelegraph does not endorse any content or product on this page. Blah, 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 blah. Just goes on. It says the company is not um, is is not does not carry any responsibility, and the company that is being written about carries full responsibility for all the decisions. Ugh. And this says nor this nor this article can be considered as an investment advice as an investment advice. Be yeah, man, I'm telling you, as, if you say that, you're okay. It's not how it fucking works, dude. I'm telling you. How does it work then, man? I'm pretty sure, again, I'm not a legal expert, that if you give investment advice and you say this is not investment advice, you just, you're fucking lying. And this is bullshit. No, man, it's a suggestion. I don't know, man. You got to say like, this. Okay, this here's, an, here, here's an example. Okay. Hey, man. You're diabetic. You should not eat a uh, Butterfinger bar. Hashtag not dietary advice. Because if you go and you do eat that Butterfinger bar, I don't want you to sue me for telling you that I didn't. I told you not to. Hmm. Feel like you, we can look into this after this. What do you show mean you can't? Sure. You can definitely tell someone, "Hey, here's a bunch of things that I invested in." I'm not saying yeah. you should. I'm just saying that this is why I did. If you ever or, read any um, stock analyses, um, the whoever's writing the article will always have to disclose their full positions. Right? They don't say this is not investment advice because. Um, even though they are not, um, I guess, registered um, financial advisors, and they're just writing pure, um, pure content for suggestive investment options, the best way to to I guess protect themselves is for them to actually disclose whether or not they are actually invested in whatever they're talking about. That's actually, I think, that is the best. Again, these are all just. I think because I, I remember seeing again, all on the internet. I've never actually opened a law book, but I saw some person claiming to be a lawyer who is saying that in the court of law, it's not actually, um, it's not a, it's not a strong defense to be saying to have like a CYA note right after you give whatever you you're saying is not advice. You can still be sued, and they can still win. That's not a. That's not the strongest defense. Uh, the strongest base of a defense argument. Uh, argument okay. you can create. Well, this is what I'll say to that. Hashtag don't sue me. Hashtag don't sue me. All right, we'll end the show on that note. Sorry, guys, that we got a little bit off tangent and really philosophical and deep in this episode. But sometimes that happens, man. People be talking. You can't stop people from talking about the things they want to talk about, especially us. So um, <laughs> let's plug some stuff. Plug your life. Go for it, bro. Uh, 
I'm working on stuff. I'm working on the project we have. I'm working on I'm just working on learning, man. That's like to be honest, like I'm just I know what I want to do and it's just a matter of continually learning and and getting like like we talked about before, getting a certificate is just kind of bullshit. If you're actually interested, you'll learn outside of getting all those stupid certifications and that's what I'm doing. And it it takes time. So, it does take time. The ultimate ultimate currency. Um let me plug some Bitcoin podcast stuff. So if you've been tuning in this week, we had a humanistic blockchain come out. We also had a crypto until infinity come out. Um, we've had, uh, we should have had an announcement come out that we are revamping and releasing again. Sorry to you guys that downloaded the initial episode 207, I think, of the Bitcoin podcast. Um, there were some audio issues. issues. We fixed that. The one that is current should be good. So if you listen to one that was a little messed up, sorry. And by messed up, I mean the entire fucking interview was muted. I will take that onus on myself, actually. I did that. I pushed a button I shouldn't have. Um, sorry. Uh, the new episode is up. It's running. Um, of course, the address the header is coming up. Uh, we have our publication on medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. All kinds of stuff you can find there. In fact... In fact, um, if you are a writer <laughs> and you would like to contribute to that publication, please join the Slack. And by the way, we fixed our Slack join link. We're doing a lot now. We're doing a lot of very simple, basic, low-hanging fruit shit. But we fixed the link that invites you to the Slack. So if you've been trying to join the Slack and it's been weird, we the service that automated that, uh, I guess they broke down or whatever. They they couldn't do it anymore, and we didn't realize that until earlier this week. And then we tracked it down that problem, fixed that bug, you could say. Uh, so you can join the Slack, uh, hit me up, and say, "Hey, man, I want to write for the publication, and I will allow that. I will I will fold you into that operation where you can write for our publication." Um, what else do we do? The Slack, of course. Please join the Slack. Jesse, what would you say about Slack on a rate on a scale from one to ten? Um, there are a lot of good people, um, knowledgeable people, and you know, I would say maybe one out of ten posts is actually useful, and there's actually some decent information we found there. Um, besides, you know, our awesome banter that we go and have back and forth between everybody there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to learn there as well. So it's a it's a great resource if you're looking for people to help you with a project, if you're looking for um, just some basic information that maybe any of the other podcasts haven't covered since, you know, maybe their first episodes. If you're looking to get into mining, if you're looking to buy Bitcoin for the first time or buy any crypto, just you have reservations about anything. Just, I mean, there's a lot of good people there. Um yep. Uh, including myself and D, and we are available. Just uh, PM us if you have any questions. Yep. We were totally going to 51% attack some of these shit coins the other day, too. That <laughs> fell through quick. I knew it was going to, but I thought it was like such a great <laughs> idea. We were like, yeah, we're going to fuck them up. We're going to show everybody it's easy to do. And then we just like didn't. But that was kind of a fun <laughs> day. That was a fun day. Um, <laughs> shit. That's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a long one. Uh, I hope you had a great week. Peace.